Grab your favorite drink, whether it's a coffee, cocktail, or tea, and get ready. It's Ladies' Night on Lady Overlander Radio. Welcome to the first live episode of the Lady Overlander Radio broadcast. I have three special guests with me tonight. Tara McGovern of Rove and Reverie, Cindy Pope of Northology Adventures, and Monique Song, the Overland Lady. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. I'm excited to have you guys here with me tonight. Tonight, we'll go over all things overlanding from a lady's perspective. And first, I would like to give each of my guests an opportunity to give a little background on themselves. So we'll start with you, Tara. Oh, boy. Okay. Cool background. <laughs> um, I have, my account is Rovin Reverie. I am a professional photographer of 16 years. So that has included traveling for more than a decade of that. But I am also a single mom to two boys. So 10-year-old and almost 16-year-old. So they have always traveled with me. So overlanding gradually kind of worked its way into life because it's worked best for the way we do life and my job and kind of combining doing all of that together as a family. Uh, the last few years has gotten a little bit more adventurous with getting the Jeep and then adding a trailer this year. As they get a little bit older, we can also kind of get a little bit crazier with the things we do. So we kind of try to outdo the last year season the next year and kind of plan a big, we usually do like two to three months at a time straight. So very me. nice. Cindy. Hi, um, I'm an events uh, and an outdoor events coordinator. And I also publish the Northology Adventures magazine. Uh, basically, I just like to go out in the woods and I had to find a way to do that as much as I could and bring as many people with me as I could. And uh, uh, that's basically what I do. Uh, we've got a, a whole bunch of new events coming this year, which is awesome. Um, and our Keweenaw Overland Adventure Retreat is in its fifth year coming up. We're really excited about that. And then um, in, I think, May or June, uh, the magazine will be two years in. So that's growing. Nice. And uh, we have a lot of really cool people that contribute to that. Um, really cool photography, uh, very nice, fun articles. And hey, Sean, <laughs> <laughs> that is one of our photographers um, that's contributed some Northern Lights photos. So yeah, I just like to share everything outdoorsy and um, you know bring people along on trips. And if they can't come along on trips, bring that adventure to them with the magazine. Awesome. Monique? Hi, uh, my name is Monique. Monique Son is the uh, Instagram handle as well. I'm the person behind Overland Lady YouTube channel. So it sort of started as uh, when I traveled Australia with the Langoozer that I got well in Australia. Um, at first it was just some, some of my diary, um, visual diary that moves with sound. Um, sort of eventually gravitate went. I guess when I came back and went out with a few groups here locally in Vancouver, it started to grow and grow, went bigger and bigger as I go on to more trips. And I recently just came back from a trip to the Arctic, uh, mostly solo, except the last stretch of it, which still haven't been published yet. But um, yeah, I've been traveling in that Lancaster from Australia. By the end of my stay, I didn't want to let go of it. And it was just enough years uh 15 years was what's required to import a vehicle into canada so i brought it back over here very nice <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about quite a few different topics everything from hygiene to safety to the good bad and the ugly of overlanding part-time full-time whether you're a lady or a man and the first thing i'd like to talk about is hygiene that's important for everyone. And uh, we, my family and I overland full time. So hygiene is very important. I have three children. And as most people know, children don't always want to have good hygiene. And it's even more difficult when you're camping a lot. So what we do is we have a little um, shower that has, I have it here, that has a foot pump that we can use. I'll show everyone this. And this is by uh, Nemo. They make the tents. We love their tents. You can also use, um, we have a Lifesaver water canister that we can use as well and hook up a little nozzle to that. And then we also have bathing wipes that we use when we're out there in the 
thick of the forest and there's not really any other options. What do you use, Tara? Um, okay, I have boys, so things get stinky rapidly. So uh, <laughs> I live and die by, I don't know if you've ever seen them, they're called dude wipes. Mm -hmm. Buy them in bulk. Um, and there's some biodegradable versions too. I tried to make sure everything we took the last couple of years was all biodegradable and safe, you know, chemically and all that. But um, we live by those. If we are driving long distance and we're as far as the main road travel non-camp part of it, I, there's actually two apps that you can use. I'm trying to remember the names off the top of my head, but I can post them into the chat or like follow up later um, that tell you where bathrooms are for truck stops or campgrounds or things that you can go in and do the paid quarter showers or the truck stop showers, things like that. So if we are passing those, I always have access on my apps to see if we have one coming up because it's worth it for a hot shower sometimes, even if you're just kind of between places. Um, and then for camp shower, I am not above throwing my children in a lake. That's mm -hmm. usually number one way. And then similar to what you do of camp shower, like just a little pump water, you know, a little bit of water and soap and keeping it simple. Um, but that's kind of a mix of ways, I guess, but usually the lake. <laughs> usually the lake. That's usually. awesome. <laughs> I know I, I Overlander has a, a toggle you can switch on that'll show you where different showers and bathrooms yeah. and laundry are. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's one of them. And there's there's one that's specific, and I don't know, I can't remember the name off the top of my head right now. I haven't used it in a while. That is just truck stops. Um, mm, okay. But it'll even give you reviews of people who have used them. Because for me, I'm looking for the women that left a review on it of kind of like you know feeling safe to take your kids in there with you, kind of a thing. But there's some pretty simple ones. What about you, Monique? What do you use when you're on the road? Oh, okay, I've tried a couple of different ones. At first, when I saw Overland Internet um, shower pouch, they're mm -hmm. pretty expensive. But I tried it. Uh, the scent feels really nice. Uh, one kind of downside I don't really like is when they get cold. It's like cold when it gets on you. Uh, and eventually, sort of when I ran out of my sh uh, shower pouch, just switched to baby wipes. Baby wipes. It's you get them everywhere, and it's cheap enough, and it's soft and moist. But mostly when I was in Australia, uh, same uh, truck stop, they usually have showers all around and uh, they are, it's pretty warm out there mostly. So a lot of outdoor shower, I have that 25 uh, liter or 2020, can't remember what, uh, how much the black um, pouch thing that the, the mm -hmm. sun will heat it, those sort of things. And that shower we used it on the beach where, where there's basically no one around because it's quite easy to find area um, that's super secluded. Um, same idea, apps. In Australia, there's an app called Wikicamp. Uh, here, yes, I use iOverlander as well. And just lately start, uh, had a new um, member on my roof rack. Uh, I think the company's called water, The Waterport. They have different sizes of water tank. Um, also, just sun heat, sun heat it up, but you can pressurize it. So yes. The water will come out nicer, and um, you can combine it with, with. I haven't tried to use it yet because it's winter out here. I didn't want to um, shower out into winter, but yes, lake for the most part. And if we're talking about not just shower sort of hygiene wise, um, say when we were doing our business, I prefer to use um, Costco has their own flushable wipes. Okay. That usually kind of cleans it well, like cleans it better anyway. <laughs> yeah. Cindy, what about you? I know it gets pretty cold up where you're. Okay. Well, a lot. <laughs> let's talk about the big giant lake. Um, and I'm just a part-time overlander weekends, week longs. Um, I probably haven't been out longer than like 14 days at a one time. That'll change pretty quickly, though. We got a new rig. But anyway, nice. um, Lake Superior is, you know, giant. You're almost always near it. It's a great resource, but it is flipping cold. <laughs> um, so if you're going to take a, a bath or whatever, a shower with that water, you have to do it quickly or get a big bucket and let it sit all day in the sun because uh, it's freezing cold. I'm going to say we do that because yeah. I'm Oh. in montana that area but yeah, yeah. i like to let it sit in the sun for a while too if possible and i oh yeah i don't understand and maybe it's just me but i went with a bunch of friends and the guys were all in the lake for like an hour just whooping it up and yeah. you know 
my son's, you know, yeah. I don't get it. And like, I get in there and the, even just the little waves, I'm shivering so bad. Like I have to go fast. And then I'm like, I can't get out. It's so cold. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, you know, just the wipe thing. I did pick up a rinse kit. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. um, it's got a little handle and, and it's pressurized. You fill it with your hose. Um, I didn't use that a lot. You have to have pressurized water to fill it. And um, near Lake Superior, it's not pressurized in the lake, obviously. So I didn't use it a lot. Um, the dude wipes work great on short trips. Um, we did pick up one of those instant hots, um, the propane instant heater. It's not a Julka, but Julka, if you are listening, oh, I would yes. love one of those. Yes. No, they said yeah. they are I asked. <laughs> yes, I asked too. Everybody's oh, looking. No. Oh, my God. I know people yeah. that have gotten them. I mean, obviously, it's not that big of an expense, but, you know, no. uh, on top of everything else that you buy to do what you're doing, um, you know, I have just a, a an, I don't know what brand it is, but a, a friend of mine got a Julka. <laughs> and he's like, hey, nice. There's a camp <laughs> I see their ads all the time. I am yeah. on the verge to just call up some Aussie friend just to tell them to buy one and ship well, it out and right i know and you know i actually did get to use one at the key at our core event um the gear bunker guy eric meiser brought a julka and their ensuite pop-up and i'm like well i gotta check this out he's like everybody you need a shower come, come over here and uh it <laughs> was boxes. hot it was <laughs> there was a lot of water and the the little tent was so cool because um on the perimeter there's like that's where the drain is on the perimeter and you just pull a little tab up in the middle and the water goes all out and oh yeah it was we have great. one of those little tent things but my kids yeah. refuse to use it they say it takes too long to set up and break it down so you know, I'm like, oh, fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then and, yeah and then one of my other friends has one and we were able to shower after core which is a a big like four-day event that we put on and i hadn't had a shower in five days and we got to the beach and i'm looking at the lake and he's like well i could put up the little julka shower thing and it was like please please yeah please do <laughs> It was the best shower ever. Yeah, we just invested in a little um, awning in suite room for oh, the nice. Land Cruiser, just because the girls are getting older and, you know, girls need their privacy and stuff. So we started using that. We have a Thunder box to use, you know, for the restroom, nice. um, which we love. And I actually use these. They're 100% compostable and biodegradable baggies here yeah. for when too. we do our business. Um, but what do you, do you guys use those she wees, pea she's, whatever? What is, oh, yeah. One more thing I'm going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> the, the go girl. <laughs> yeah. I, it'll get lost and then randomly turn off at a bad time. Just, oh yeah. What's this? <laughs> I would be afraid I would make a mess. So I just don't yeah. even I bother it takes with that. Practice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but it's really easy. I mean, it's not as easy as if you're a guy, but it's not that hard. It's not hard. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. I'm curious now. <laughs> but I Make was a also a super like intense for years, hiker, like long hike. Like that was not like, that wasn't something I really like considered having to adjust to when we, my kids were already used to it too. Like when you're raised in the Pacific Northwest and hiking all the time, like, yeah, they weren't, they yeah. didn't think it was weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So we've covered showers and potties. What do you guys, do you get, do any of you carry a portable toilet or is it just all natural? We carry one. However, my youngest is really the only one that uses it. And even then the kid will hold out for <laughs> a rest stop bathroom. <laughs> He's not a fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, for the most part, he's the only one that has any interest in taking it out at all because my older son again highly logical he thinks there's extra steps and work involved having to get something out of the trailer yeah uh, so yeah just pretty like we are super minimalist bare bones if we don't see it or use it too much it doesn't stay in the trailer so tony says i have a she we for my <laughs> girls and my 12 year old daughter laughs about it <laughs> it is a pretty funny name <laughs> yeah. yeah we had a 
oh, we still have it, but we uh, we had a van this this past year, and I had one of those small portable toilets, and um, it was the flushable kind where you put water in and you can you know the water will come. But we didn't do that. We just used the the bag liners, and we didn't use it that much. Um, it's you know you're. <sighs> not very far from a restroom most of the time, especially up north, there's campgrounds and, and things like that. And, yeah. uh, but it's a funny thing. My husband until this summer, he's going to kill me when he hears me say this, he had never done number two in the woods until October of this year. <laughs> well, congratulations. to him. I was so, I know I felt like I needed to get him a badge or some sort of prize or, you know, a sash that I, anyway, I did it. So, yeah, oh, I was funny. so proud. I was so proud of him. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any of those. Maya, because space is just like very, very precious for. It. I don't have a trailer. Um, everything just stuck in the car. Uh, I guess the most I've used is I rented a van for once and just pee bottle, like same as like the van life stuff. Um, just to try, kind of see what it feels like to, to have more indoor space, um, a van instead of a four-wheel drive. But yeah, that's the most that I've had it. Usually, dig a hole, or just rest stops. Yeah. Yeah. My well, favorite the only to wait would be when we're in areas because I don't know about you guys, but for me, where we go most of the time, if you're anywhere from Montana to Washington, there's a bear factor as far as containing scent. And obviously my kids do not like to carry the trash in the car. So the trailer is a big help with that because it's essentially a giant bear box. So like, uh, I mean, it's yeah. just it's a steel box. Yeah. So um, we don't have to deal with containing trash or anything else that smells kind of, you know, in the Jeep anymore. So that's easier to have it on the trailer. Um, but that's yeah. a factor for anybody in those. Zones. Yeah, They're that is definitely a factor in a van because it we, we don't have a spare tire on the door and it has to be inside. We couldn't even use our trash room. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't have a trash room for that specifically. <laughs> like, I, I like the look of it, but like, what do I put in there? I've been like thinking about it, but then firewood and and garbage <laughs> and <poop>. yeah <laughs> yeah not you're okay with getting wet garbage yeah getting wet and muddy and yeah oh i though i did um it's really nice to store your like life jackets and stuff when we go kayaking or, or paddle boarding because uh, they're big and bulky and and it's not, oh yeah uh, yeah they take up so much space on the inside and i just mm. threw them in a bag and threw them in the trash room so Oh, we've hauled firewood and everything in that. Yeah. So we have a question here from Philip. Hi, ladies. I'd like to take my nephew and niece remote camping, but I'm not sure how to take care of my little lady. And I don't want to ruin her first experience. What should I do for a six-year-old girl? Do those baggies work? Six-year-old. I have boys, so I'm not as much help here other than knowing uh, my camping. I was a Girl Scout. Um, so I would say don't draw attention to it too much. If you make a big deal out of it, like as long as you're not making a big deal out of it or treating it like it's abnormal, they don't usually know the difference. Like it's, they kind of just mimic whatever the adults around them are doing as far as what they think is normal or weird or okay to do. Um, yeah. And I would say that girls, a baggie would definitely work better for a six-year-old than like the she, we or anything like that. So yeah, absolutely. What is Oh, just like a using a regular bag to oh, like these, oh. these yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was or just, you know, digging a hole and doing your business and yeah, burying, burying it. it. So that's a little bit more fun. I figured, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depends. I would say depends on how her experience is. If, because uh, six years old is kind of at a critical age where she's starting to have the idea of, um, guys and girls differences depends on her prior education and if she kind of have this idea of like oh i can't do this and that outdoor and all that it can be a little bit more difficult but if, if she hasn't been exposed to this type of stereotype then it's let her go don't yeah like tara said don't bring it up don't bring up the difference that much and then just let her go wild and it wouldn't be that much problem she will just mimic what you do yeah and i think it depends on the kid too some kids are super shy in general and you know, some kids will go out there and take off their shirt and run around in the forest naked. You know, they don't care. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. it depends on the kiddo. But uh, yeah. so other than 
the restroom and the showers. I would say the only other hygiene that I have to get on my kids about is making sure they're brushing their teeth and things like that. And we just do that standard, you know, just get a little bit of water out of the water canister and do our thing just like you would at home. So we don't have any special gadgets or anything for that. <laughs> so the only special thing I have for that is I bring the toothpaste tablets, the pill ones oh, instead of okay. the tube, because again, it's, we're always in bear country, like grizzly area. So anything that has a scent or is like an edible thing for them, the tablet ones come sealed in a glass bottle that is like scent proof. Cool. So nice. Always keep those. And they're really small, a small compact bottle, smaller the better. I was a little disappointed. We did the whole Pacific Northwest this summer. Didn't see one bear. Really? I was a little sad about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm I just wanted Wisconsin. to see one, you know. <laughs> That's where they're all at. A lot of them. That's awesome. Did you do Olympic Peninsula at all? Did I? Yeah. Oh, I think we, we froze up here for a second. There we go. Yeah, we went out and we did... Um, we didn't do too, too much up in Washington state. Okay. We did mostly Oregon, a lot of Idaho, um, a lot of Wyoming. And if you haven't been to Wyoming, I highly recommend it. Love Wyoming. One of my favorites. Um, but we were, we we're planning on going back and doing a lot more Washington state and hopefully, hopefully getting up into Canada eventually. Got so. it. So we go to Squim, which yeah. is Olympic Peninsula. That's where I'm from. Mm -hmm. uh, we have what's called the Olympic Game Farm there. And it's all of the old, they've got some bears, some wolves, but mostly um, they've got Kodiaks, like all the bears that have been rescued and cannot be kept elsewhere. They're the ones that you'll see in videos that wave to people and things like that. So if you miss <laughs> a bear anywhere else, worst case scenario, just go to the game farm. <laughs> you, can you do the nice. drive through, you're allowed to drive through and you can see them from a distance, but you can, that you can kind of like save that for last just in case you miss one this year cool <laughs> then you get then they wave at you oh so what let's talk about safety have you guys ever been concerned about your safety speaking of bears or anything else um have you ever been concerned about your safety out when you're when you're out there remotely by yourself let's start with you monique oh uh, are we talking about natural disaster animals or any sort for any, for any source. Yeah, when I get this question asked, I often, especially when people are what is that? Did you guys hear it? I did. I don't know what that was. Oh. <laughs> it was a bear. <laughs> so, yeah, when I hear people say, uh, like, isn't it dangerous uh, being a girl alone in the woods or, like, alone going out doing that, to me it's like, I don't see a gender difference in terms of being alone in the woods if you're truly alone because animals don't pick bear or predators. They don't pick gender. Avalanche far, they don't pick gender. It's just like everybody is faced the same um, risk. So with natural disaster, just keep yourself informed. Always stay on top of what the weather is like and what season it is, the area, know where you're going. Animal-wise, uh, I've been using some map that can show you where, what sort of animal are in this area. And then if you are sort of in a bear, uh, country bear area, just, yeah, keep all of your garbage clean. And I tend to, if they have an uh, organized campground, I try to stay there. At least there are some people, if anything, what to happen. I do carry bear spray and then I carry a shotgun. But that, if you're doing cross-country, then that can get... Um, tricky if you because no weapon um haven't gotten really needed to use it uh, people have been telling me to always uh they call it cruiser ready to like keep a shell in there it's not allowed in canada but like i've only done it once where i kind of saw a pile of blood outside uh, out in the snow but yeah nothing happened so far in terms of the really female specific wise it's just the people that you encounter because i do travel solo um try i do try to avoid talking to random people but you can sort of get a vibe of what they are if they are a family especially with kids usually no problem <laughs> talk to them and then or logos um older logos usually no i'm not like stereotyping people but just sort of when you're out there seeing people long enough you can kind of like get a feel if they are like okay or makes you feel comfortable or, or anything and um, I don't pick up hitchhiker, like partly because I don't have space. 
<laughs> um, Good excuse. <laughs> Keep that yeah. fancy full. Yeah. And um, uh, otherwise, uh, when you are on the road, I guess when passing by rangers and all that, uh, I would try to ask them about like road condition or anything yeah. else and anything, any, any sort of information that it can give you. Um, what else in terms of people? Actually, especially in Canada, um, the further you go, the more remote you go, the nicer the people are. So maybe not, um, I do know about our Highway of Tears that goes to Prince Rupert, um, but mostly it happened uh, to the native uh, females um, that were mostly hitchhiking on the side of the road that get like murdered disappeared and mm. all that so if you're in a vehicle you already sort of have a natural shield of metal protecting you as long as you you know stay in there uh, most of the time so i so far haven't found any real um, safety concern just to keep everyone uh, around you um, keep them uh, make them feel safe for you just always update where you are with um if you're if you're I, I hear that thing again i think it's i'm not sure what it is <laughs> um keep if your gps had that uh function enabled have that live um update thing going for your checking contact so that it can see every minute or not every minute you set your own interval of where you are if you're moving or not and always just update uh, your family or whoever your checking contact is about your safety yeah, yeah. That brings up a question too. Does anybody here use like the i uh, the Garmin inReach? I do. All? Okay. Mm -hmm. I use it. Or well. yeah, or the spot that yeah. The so spot. I tend to like to do, it, but my sister can always. There's only one person, not my mom. She's probably gonna be like, "Why aren't I on there?" Um, can track. She can pull notification services on my phone all times. She has full Hi, access to me, and then same thing if my one automatically pings to her. Sure. Yeah, but no. My sister well, I use, yeah, I, we use the inReach. We check the weather the faithfully door. and try to our best to avoid the weather um, if it's mm -hmm. coming. Like we, for example, we were coming from Missouri over into Kentucky and we noticed the weather was getting really, really bad. We had planned on going into Kentucky and camping, but we waited and stayed in a hotel in Missouri. And that night is when all of the tornadoes hit. So really glad we did that. Um but it was it was rough driving through there the next day and just seeing the dev devastation. So I mean, it's definitely something you got to be cognizant of when you're out there. Weather can change quickly. You know, I'm more I'm more concerned usually about weather than I am about other people or animals. I mean, Same. we've had cows traipse through our campsite in the middle of the night out west, and you know, at first I was like, "Is that a bear?" And <laughs> no, it's just a giant cow. Um, you know, we've had a skunk get into our trash once when the kids left it out and, you know, there's all different types of situations that happen, but nothing really where we ever really felt like our safety was at risk. So, you know, we have the Garmin in reach for when we don't have signal, we have radios, we have cell phones, you know, I usually like to let my parents know, I give us our, them our GPS coordinates whenever we're going to be somewhere where I'm not sure we're going to have signal so, you know, just doing little things like that can kind of give you an extra layer of protection, I guess you could say. Um, we do carry a firearm um, just in case, but, you know, I don't foresee us ever having to use it, <laughs> which is a good thing. No, and so. that's why, like, and my kids know, too, if we carry one, too. I'm also a little bit more known for carrying a knife because in the situations where I have had to use something, the gun wasn't in reach. My knife was always in my boot. It's kind of, you know, like... For traveling, depending on the state you're in, driving through, if you're in a national park, if you're in a state park, there's a different rule for each one. Yeah. And generally, your bullets cannot be near your weapon if mm -hmm. you are in most states. So it doesn't do you as much good as you think, unless it's for middle of the night when you're in your tent. And in that case, most of the time, you're just going to piss a bear off. Um, I honestly would avoid <laughs> shooting a bear at all. I mean, generally, you're not going to be able to hurt them as much as you think no. you can. Um, I've never had a problem with bears, even the ones that we do have come into camp. They're just curious. I actually keep my remote to the Jeep when we're in the tent or in the trailer. I keep the remote next to my pillow so that if I hear an animal or a bear come into camp, I set the alarm off on the Jeep because nice. they're scared of it. <laughs> yeah, like, They don't know they what are. that is. Like, it's just enough that all the lights and all the sound going off 
they just ditch and run and it generally works. I mean, people too, because they don't, they don't expect a loud sound kind of coming from something. Yeah. Um, Knives. I do have knives stashed everywhere, but that's, it's just, there's always one with reach. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's usually a knife somewhere um, and the GPS. And as far as weather, I'd say that's always been our biggest issue as well, but somewhat some things you can't control. So the one that was scary this year that had gave me that thought of, okay, like I should have been or tried to have been more prepared for it. As far as finding a way to check in with somebody, we were up near North of Tahoe mm-hmm. and we were a good two and a half miles, like 27 miles back down trail in the mountains by a lake, no other people, nothing for like 27 miles. And in the middle of the night, the trailer moved like so much so that I thought it was a bear shoving it. Like I felt the whole thing move. Um, stayed up for hours, couldn't, couldn't find a bear, couldn't find an animal, couldn't find anything that would have moved the whole trailer. Got freaked out enough by it when I came out the next morning, cause I could see where the tires were, where the jack was, everything had moved over a foot. Cause we were kind of cl- camping near a cliff edge that went down to a waterfall. And so I just got weirded out, drove back down to town and found out that there had been earthquakes all night. Ooh. So wow. had there been any rock slides in my head, the first thing that went off of any rock slide that occurred in those like 27 miles of, you know, back down the mountain, that would not have. So I was not as prepared as far as finding a way to like no sat phone or things like that to call somebody at that point. So we just chose to drive back. But yeah, there was, I think that was the weekend in Tahoe that they had like nine, it was like nine earthquakes this summer. Wow. Um, because uh, like in my head, I'm like, what could move a steel? Something like that. Trailer? Yeah. <laughs> like a bear was all that kept popping yeah. into my head. If you know, you want to shove it or move it around. Um, but no, like it had moved, like entirely shifted, like down. Um, but that one you can't really predict otherwise. But uh, it kind of popped into my head of like, okay, that could have been a situation of getting back down if any rock slides had occurred in that area. So I'm not yeah. quite sure. Other than having better satellite communication, that would have been my, really my only option on that one. I mean, we almost lost our three kids over the side of a cliff in a ground tent this summer. So, you know. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you said yeah. it like so. Ah, oh my gosh. It was, we had a, some really crazy wind gusts that night that we did not expect because the wind had changed direction. And yeah, uh, we were, we had, well, first off, we, the kids all got in the tent and we're, we're going to bed and we were up in the rooftop tent on the Jeep. And uh, all of a sudden they're mom, mom, dad. So we go out there, they think there's a snake in the tent. So we pull everything out of the tent. And there's no snake in the tent. Put everything back in the tent. And then probably an hour or two later, we're all trying to settle down and I can feel the wind start to pick up. And I'm like, okay, you know, got to keep an eye on this. And all of a sudden, this huge gust came out of nowhere. The kids are screaming. My husband's running out of our tent down to the ground tent, trying to help them get out of the tent and hold the tent down. I'm, I'm staying in our tent trying to figure out a way to hold our tent down. We had it. We had ours tied off. But yeah, the ground tent did not I look guess. the same the next morning. It was very, very bad. Wow. <laughs> we had to put water bottles and everything on it just to keep it there. But the kids ended up sleeping in the car that night. It was, yeah. So never, ever camping next to a cliff again like that. <laughs> and uh, definitely keeping an, an eye on the weather and the wind because the wind can come out. At it. And the same thing with water out there, especially out west. It just comes out of nowhere and you just don't expect it. So yeah. I think as far thing- as the people factor, I, the most common I, question I get, even from my family, I think I had a Thanksgiving and they're like, don't you get scared or uncomfortable with people, crazy people out there? And I'm like, I'm the crazy person out there. Like <laughs> I'm like, like as far as like what people think of like somebody living off road for three months at a time, generally they think I'm the crazy one. Like it's most of the people you run into are not like they're out there to enjoy the silence and the quiet as much as you are. It's very rare to run into somebody who's not, if they're that far out or doing that as well, that are not like-minded. Like, cause you have to really want to be out there doing that for the most part, you know, like random people looking for trouble do not wander 60 miles out to the desert. Usually. No, they don't. So I will tell you that if they, if you're, if their private property butts up next to public land, they will get up the crazy on you and they will come out and visit you because we had that situation happen in South Dakota. Oh, did you? So, oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, you, you do have to be aware, but you know, normally you would just try to get as far out as possible and away from everybody and 
most of the time people don't bother you. No, they're usually so, not the same reason you are. So everybody kind of keeps to themselves for the most part. Hello, Bats Off-Road. I guess one thing, maybe North America don't have that much. Uh, when we encountered in Australia, the first, uh, one thing, one new thing that I learned is watch Tide come out. Yes. There's a lot of beach camping and um, yeah, Tide can, can, can get you stuck somewhere um, for half a day until it goes down again and um, tight chart. Always keep an eye on it. Fire, we do have fires in North America. Um, I experienced in Australia too, almost got burnt down. Or not like almost got burnt down, but like we were, we camped at night in an area that was supposed to be closed off. That was the end of 2019 when they had that huge bad fire year. Oh yeah. Yeah, the next morning coming out, saw the road closure sign facing out that way. We're this way, so we're supposed to be closed. And then the ranger was still there. The ranger came to talk to us. It's like, why are you guys here? But yeah, like it was, it was, it was. Uh, just, just keep an eye out for the news and um, weather and all of that, especially when uh, those sort of big things, big big events happen. Yeah, and. I know some people, and I just want to say for anybody that's watching, we're not trying to scare you away from, <laughs> these are very rare things that happen. So um, the one thing that, that people ask me a lot about, especially with kids, snakes. And I think that we encountered one snake in a state park in Florida. It was a giant rattlesnake who just laid there and could care less that we were there. And I think one or two snakes out West that, that just went off on their own and didn't bother us. So we, Snakes have never really been an issue, and I'm not a fan of snakes, but I don't know if you guys had any other experiences like that. But Reptiles usually don't like to be around you. Like Once they send some, some uh, movement, they usually like to go away. Uh, I've never seen a rattlesnake before, but I've uh, um, know a friend of a friend that he, on his uh, Instagram feed, he always go out to the, to the desert, and then when he sees rattlesnakes on the ground, um, he will... But experience only. I'll use a stick to lift them up and put them elsewhere because he was sort of like a protective uh, move. If they mm -hmm. stay on the ground, they'll get smushed by vehicle and all of that. Um, they usually don't want to hurt you. And especially for reptiles, if they're a constrictive type, they don't want to <laughs> do anything with you. And I've never actually seen no, or... Uh, spotted a wild, wild snake in Australia but in Canada once in uh, our desert here in uh, the central BC um, it was on my video too when my mom watched it she, she made me realize something that I didn't even realize at the time she was like because when I saw it I first heard some movement when I was just filming some stuff here and I was like oh snake 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 and I went to like chase it my mom was like why are you chasing a snake just like go away already I'm like oh I didn't realize I was like oh fine I'll see a snake let me see it but like they don't want anything to do with you it escaped right away so, now no. spiders on the other hand mm. will build their stinking webs between your tents oh yeah I am so sorry about this you guys I'm, I have kind of a affair rescue dog and my husband is trying Actually, to get her outside but uh she's just a little closer thank you I dog am, is so a safety sorry. dog is a safety, yes uh, yeah oh but yeah waiting the dogs people, <laughs> people kept telling me like get yourself a dog you're like you're, you're putting yourself in so much risk that's like one big thing cindy you got there Oh, I have two of them. <laughs> yeah. The other one is sitting here quietly Body by guard. my side. And the other <laughs> one is like, why is she in that room? Who is she talking to? I must bark and interrupt it. <laughs> I'm so surprised my dog, dog isn't barking. Yeah. But <laughs> that, you're, you're, you're so right about the dog thing. Like uh, a girlfriend and I were uh, camping. It was right on the shore of Lake Superior um, between Marquette and Munising. Um, it's a beautiful area. There's a cliff right above the the shore and um, she's in the tent. I'm in the hammock and I've got this little dog right here. Her name is Daisy. Hi. Um, she went camping with us and my girlfriend brought her dog. And so I'm like, oh, got this great idea. I'm going to sleep in the hammock overnight with Daisy on top of me. And so we laid down and it was one of those nights you hardly ever get this. There was not one wave on the shore. I mean, usually the, the lake, you know, calmly lapping or, or just, you know, <laughs> you know, crazy waves, 
but there was nothing. I mean, you, every 10 minutes, you'd hear this little slap of a wave. It was dead silent. You could hear the mosquitoes buzzing. Um, that was it. But Daisy heard something and her head would snap up. And I'm like straining to hear, what is it? I have no idea. Is it a bear? Is it a person? I didn't hear a darn thing. And then she'd start growling. Grrr. Uh -huh. And she did that like 10 times. And I'm like, that's it. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> sleep in the tent. If I'm going to die, at least my girlfriend, Tony, is too. And we can all die together. <laughs> I don't want to die by myself out in this hammock. <laughs> Uh, but she freaked me out. But again, she's just so in tune. She hears everything and alerts you to everything. And uh, who knows, you know, maybe it was deer walking through the woods or a bear. I'm sure it was an axe murderer and she saved us all. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the dog is awesome to have. Um, oh, yeah. Um, but I didn't take the dogs with when I would go solo camping because the, the husband's like, oh, you got to leave them here with me. I'll be lonely. So I would oh. go by myself, but uh, <laughs> most of the time, so. So we leave our dog with my parents when we go because he is a hundred pounds of anxiety that barks at everything. And for where we're at, we're in, usually in bear country or areas that it's actually an issue. Yeah. They, so you can actually get limited on where you can be or can mm -hmm. camp if you have a pet with you because it's considered an issue for the bears. Like they you know, can be drawn to that. Um, I don't know if I could handle having him. He is not okay with sleeping anywhere, but in the rooftop tent and, He's just gets very angry if he's left out of the rooftop tent and a hundred pound dog <laughs> in a rooftop tent is a whole nother. Yeah. He's yeah, whole another animal. Yeah. <laughs> he's not okay with it. So we, we leave him behind for now. He gets to yeah. take grandpa and get fed steak for the summers. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I think our dog is maybe 20 pounds soaking wet, but he, uh, he's a good uh, alert warning system for sure. He definitely lets us know if there's any kind of critter anywhere within like a, 15 mile radius of us, he starts growling and barking and, you know, trying to protect himself, but, uh, <laughs> <From not this. laughs> but, uh, yes, he is a great morning system and a, and a really nice companion for the kids on the road. So. Yeah. He doesn't have to outrun the bear. He just has to outrun you. Yeah, exactly. And he will. <laughs> I just teach my kids. I just always go with somebody slower than you and you're fine. God, oh, my dad taught me that as a child. And I thought to myself, mom, it's been good to know you. <laughs> good luck, mom. What about vehicle? Like, have any of you had a situation where you had a broken vehicle or injury related to any of that that you had to figure out how to deal with? Or is I know you had that? an injury. Yeah, we, we keep a hat on for a reason. It's fine. Um. Nothing major as far as injuries go. We haven't had any, which is pretty remarkable with three kids. But um, what about you, Cindy? Uh, you know, not that I can think of. I did. Uh, I was with some people out in the boonies in, in the Upper Peninsula once, and I thought my brake line was gone. Mm. Uh, but it had just been pinched, and I was panicking, but uh, no big deal. And knock on wood, you know, um, that's one of the reasons we're getting rid of this van. It's a 25-year-old four-wheel drive van. But it's been a little unreliable. Now, I would say it's been a little, we're not mechanics. And when those little things pop up, uh, it's it's like, ah, freaking out. What do I do? Call the mechanic. <laughs> if you're yeah. handy with that kind of stuff, it's a great vehicle. I mean, it, it just, it, it goes everywhere. It does everything. But uh, it's a little temperamental as, old, you know, older vehicles can be. And I don't put up with that. So I am familiar. <laughs> With my 30-year-old vehicle. Ugh. But let's see here. We have Arla would like to know, any tips to get a large dog in your rooftop tent? <laughs> um, so when we've done it, they do actually make ramps. So there's a few, it depends on where your tent is at. There's a few people that use the ramp that goes, they're like, it's a ramp that goes up and over your hood, um, depending on what type of vehicle you're using. There's some that go up and over the hood and windshield and go like right into the tent if you face your tent the right way. Um, there's some that turn your ladder into a ramp that it's a, an attachment that goes onto your ladder for us. My son is six foot three. He just lifts him. Um, mm -hmm. it's still kind of awkward, but like, as far as height wise, he's so tall that he can still kind of, I can't lift him. I would never be able to do it myself, but between my son and I, we can lift him and it's easier than both of those things. So it kind of depends on the vehicle or how high the tent is. 
Um, but they do make little ramps, a few companies do, that depending on the placement of your tent, that make it easier. Nice. We just uh, carry our little dog up there and he freaks out when we're trying to bring him down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my sister brought hers. Um, she has a service dog. She brought hers to Overland Expo with me. And he had never been in that scenario before. So even trying to get him in or out, because he's small. He's only like 40 or 50 pounds. But he was not having it. He was not okay with it. He did not approve of it. And then he got up in there and he got the zoomies and then went right back out. <laughs> yeah, we... we... We had a lifted, you know, our van was lifted and we have an older dog and a, a smaller, younger dog. But the older dog had trouble getting, she'd try to jump into the van and she would fall. And so we got a stepladder, which we said was for the dog. But boy, yeah. did that come in handy <laughs> for old people like me. <laughs> well, I can't imagine trying to get a dog in a rooftop tent. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an adventure, especially if it's a large dog, I'm sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, I see a lot of friends that do it and they have their larger dogs with them. For me, I have just decided it's better to leave the dog with grandma and grandpa for a few months. Yeah, my my dog's thing now is not the, the tent per se. It's for some reason he doesn't like being in the car anymore, which is a big issue. And I think it might have been some of the trails we did recently might have freaked <laughs> him out a bit. But uh, yeah, he's not a fan of the car right now. So we're working on that with him. <laughs> Oh, my poor dog. He's very high maintenance, but so are we. So my yeah. kids get out and walk. They get tired of doing trails with me. So they get out and walk ahead of me, ahead of the Jeep. <laughs> my dogs probably would like to do that because they, they put up with a lot. Yeah. Pets are awesome though. Yeah. So let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of overlanding. So what is... Monique, what is your favorite thing about overlanding? Favorite thing? How do we define that? Like, what is your favorite aspect of it? Is it being out alone? Is it, you know, seeing nature? Is it getting the hell away from everybody? I would say at first it was just travel um, to see places. And then the whole mindset when you're there and especially later on when I started to doing to do trips alone um it's a whole different mindset when you're only sort of talking within your own mind and in a new place and seeing things analyzing it internally mm-hmm. um sort of always keep myself in a zen mode um all the time um I guess that's sort of what draws me in with um kind of a self-achievement um feeling too uh, especially after a trip a somewhat difficult trip too it's like yeah i can do it um mm-hmm. makes you feel, uh, makes you feel stronger and then not so i guess the st- stereotypical of girl can't do a lot of things yeah yeah i like that what about you tara what's your favorite thing about overlanding Definitely the mental, just for me, it's the mental condition or state that I'm in. Usually even my kids, and I can see it for them too, once we get a week or two in and they have detoxed from life after school is over, like whatever they've been dealing with, it's like you're a different person. I know for me, like, and all of my friends, I've been doing this so long that they see the version of me that whenever I'm out on a long trip like that, they'll see me after a few weeks and they'll even tell me I look physically different. I'll always drop like 10 pounds. Skin looks perfect. Hair looks like you haven't bathed in a week, but you look <laughs> healthy. And like it, you get a look to you when you are, you get into a normal sleep cycle. I stop drinking coffee. I stop eating sugar. Like there's just this natural rhythm that starts to happen with your body. At least for me, there is once I'm a good week into it. And then after a few months of it, I look like a totally different person. My mind functions without any help from coffee, without any help from, you know, like other outside things or triggers. And I like, you know, Monique was saying there's this mindset that happens of everything feels possible and doable. Yeah. You just have almost a different view of yourself. I think once you get into it of like, oh, okay, I can do this. Like, it's not as big of a deal. Things are other things aren't as as big of a deal either. Uh, Things just kind of tend to roll right along and roll with the punches where you might normally not feel that way about it after a few weeks in the woods you don't really care what don't care anymore (laughs) you're good how about you cindy what's your favorite part of overlanding 
I just like being outdoors, you know, wherever it is. Um, I will have to disagree with the not drinking the coffee thing. <laughs> uh, coffee is life. Um, anyway. Um, it is for me normally, too. I had four cups today. <laughs> really? Oh, amateur. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, I do. I, I agree with Tara with the whole physical state. Like, it's crazy. I come back from, you know, being out in the woods for a weekend and I've dropped 10 pounds. It's like, you, there's so much to do. There's just, you know, even if you're just sitting to having a cup of coffee, there's no refrigerator to go snack out of. You've got tasks, you've got places to go. Um, you're concentrating on, on different things and, you know, all of your like this A, B, C, and D for, for your meals all planned out. So that seems to be like the overland diet or something. I should just <laughs> leave for a year and come back a, a completely different person. Um, but yeah, I just love being outdoors. And and I used to go for the beauty of the, you know, the woods and, and the lakes and whatnot. And now um, I'm finding the places I'm re revisiting, I'm, I'm more interested in like the, the history and the culture of the, of the different places, you know, um, the upper peninsula is amazingly beautiful, the shores of the lakes and the woods, but then there's this like history there. You, you'll, you'll drive out in the woods or you'll walk, take a hike and you'll run across this big giant industrial mechanism sitting in the woods and you're like what is this and then you start digging into why it's there and and learning about things that have happened and why people have you know settled there and and what they used to do and and it's just fun you know uh, as another element to the to the beauty the the history is really interesting yeah i would agree with all of that um, i do still drink coffee though when i'm out there but I find that it's easier to, I, I don't use an alarm when I'm out there. Mm -hmm. I wake up with the sun and usually by the time the sun sets, I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah. Like, and it'll be like six or seven o'clock at night. And we're all like, yep, time for bed. <laughs> yep. And your body just kind of gets into that rhythm and you kind of become one with your environment. And, and I really, that's one of my favorite things about going out there is, is being in tune with the nature around me. I really enjoy that. So let's see. Oh, Tony says my, my dog isn't a fan of people either. No, he's not. He's really not. Especially men. No offense, men, but I don't know why he is a man hater and he's a male. So I don't get it. But um, what is something that you don't like about going out there? If there is anything. Cindy. It's not specifically about going out there, but it's about being a woman in this overlanding kind of culture or niche or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the first time I did a an event for our local Wisconsin Overland Facebook group, um, a friend, who he's now a friend, but he showed up to this event, and this is several years ago, and he's told me since then, and I won't name him to out him, but he says to me many years later, you know, Cindy, when I first pulled up to that event and I looked at your Jeep and I looked at you and I said to myself, this is going to be a crappy weekend. Oh, he was completely wrong. And yeah. I changed his mind and he's come around. He's a very good friend and we do stuff together. Not much lately, but I just think I, I sometimes think that, um, you know, I don't know how to even explain it. If you're usually you're the wife, you're not driving or you're, you know, not taken seriously. Uh, it's a little annoying. I've, I've been to Overland Expo with an American Adventurous media sponsor tag on my shirt and, and been ignored at many booths, you know. I'm pretty outgoing and pretty, like, um, kind of forward, so I found that kind of odd. Uh, do you girls ever run across anything like that? Uh, is it annoying? Uh -huh. Well, because I work with all of these companies and like that's what I do is strictly Jeep off-road industry for marketing and media now. What my favorite thing to do at All Advanced, because I did them all this year, SEMA, all of them, I spend the first day going in without any logos on me so they don't know who I'm with. And I see how they all treat me. And then the next day I go back. Ooh. <laughs> with my logos or my company, like whatever my company apparel is. But for me, it's so telling of like, and I had one guy call me out on it at SEMA. He's like, I saw you on day one, like being and? sneaky and all that. And <laughs> I was like, I mean, for me, I trust, 
like I'd like to get a read on how they're actually treating women who they don't know are connected to this company they want to work with or, you know, things like that. I want to see how they treat somebody that they think is just the average woman they're looking for information. Um, and that's kind of how I get my very quick read on which companies I want to be spending my time with. Good um, job. So yes, I know exactly what you mean because I have yeah. tactics for that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, all four of us are drivers, right? We all drive our own rigs. So, you know, but I do meet a lot of people that, you know, I meet women that say, oh, I don't think I could ever go out there and do that. Like, that's not my thing. And, and I get that. And then there's some that would love to do it, but just don't know where to start. There's yeah. some that go along with their husbands because they're like, well, he, he really enjoys this. So I'll go out and I'll try to embrace it, you know, and some of them end up loving it. And then there's some that, you know, maybe don't have a clue about what they're doing. Right. But, you know, hopefully, and one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to give women the opportunity to learn more about it, to ask questions that they may not feel comfortable asking in a larger group of people. Right. So, you know, I enjoy it very much. I did start doing it because my husband was very interested in it, but I have fallen in love with it. And Obviously, we're doing it full time. We're doing it with three kids. I'm homeschooling them and we're going to see every piece of public land we possibly can. So, you know, but everybody is coming from a different, you know, background. But I do I have seen a little bit of what you're talking about in the overlanding community. I do think it's getting better. Um, and I do think as relationships develop and people get to know other people and you know, we offer it together and do these things together, that that kind of idea about women in overlanding is going to change, I really think. Agreed. I think, and I run into a lot because I, especially adding the trailer this year, and I would still do trails with friends or there'd be a guy friend on the trail with me in their rig and guys would stop them and say, oh, you let your wife drive the, like, you know, pull the trailer because you know, rock crawling a trailer is not really common and there's not really <laughs> many women out there doing that. Um, and he was like, poor Dave, if he's watching this, he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, I don't even know how to answer. Like, he's like, dude, like, you know, did you say that? I'm like, yeah, like, that's pretty common. But I kind of this year stopped being annoyed by it a little more because if you look at the majority of the people that react like that, there is a certain demographic. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is usually, you know, men that are somewhere between the age of 45 and 60. And they are the ones that usually have the harshest reactions, as, you know, to me being out there beyond the fact that half the time in a ball cap, I look like I'm 12. Like, <laughs> I, I truly don't look older than my 16 year old half the time doing what we're doing. Of, I almost see it as just an opportunity, not that I feel great about having to prove myself or whatever, but I love seeing the change in the relationship I have with those men and those people when I put the effort into connecting with them because they love doing it too. And mm -hmm. so sometimes they just take a little, it's, it's hard to teach people new things at any age, but generally we know this and how the human mind works. Like they're pretty set in their ways by that age. All of us are by the age of, you know, 40, 50, even, 25 but I tried to look at more of an opportunity this year to kind of not that I want to have to do all this work to change people's minds but if I took it as an opportunity to, to connect with them on something instead of fight and prove myself and say I belong here it kind of worked more in my favor long term I like that attitude yeah definitely William says, it was a woman that I didn't know that got me into overlanding. Thanks, Cindy. Hi, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. That's, I think that's the one thing that I love about what I do is just like introducing people. Doesn't matter, you know, where you're from or what you do. Um, just like I said, bringing them along. I, I did a, a trip for Michigan Overland and Bill came along on it. Um, and it's just the friendships that you can make, um, it's crazy how many friends we all have now all over the globe. You know, you can be in any town and, and, and reach out to a friend. Yep. Um, that is so cool. Thanks, Bill. Absolutely. Thanks for watching. Yeah. And so I guess the last, and, and I guess this was part of that, but what would be the ugly of overlanding? What is some really terrible things? The expense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was like, <laughs> I wanted to put it to in me. A that's bag. what I hate most. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm yeah. always trying to find a way to do it cheaper. And then there's just, it's just, it is an expensive hobby. Like oh. whatever you want to call it. Fuel. Yeah. Fuel. Fuel, yeah. Is fuel. Like, yeah. Um, oh, 
Okay, so I thought I was going to save money by buying an old vehicle and just every once in a while having to fix it. I mean, like, I was grounded half the summer. Um, Yeah, I gave up and, you know, expensive. Now we have a new truck. So you are so, so right. I have a Jeep. I get it. But every once in a while, like, Kelly Blue Book it to look at it and just convince myself that it's still worth more than, like, what I have into it. So I keep justifying it. (laughs) Like, as long as that number on Kelly Blue Book is still higher, then I'm just going to keep going. Well, like I like I was telling you guys earlier before the the live here, my Land Cruiser is thirty years old, and I have I have to wait until the end of February to get her into a specialist, just to be oh. able to get some basic work done on her, and she needs a lot of work. So I get it. Yeah. You think that having an older vehicle it has its pros and cons, but sometimes it has some cons. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's best if you if you do like work work on it yourself for right. a vehicle um it's sort of uh with this with this land cruiser i learned a lot of things of like how to work on it or even if i'm not working on it at least i know what to watch out for so i can catch it say my cv boot was leaking mm-hmm. it's not a big deal at the moment but it's it's a sign especially if i'm taking on a longer drive so i can kind of catch the early sign early on and get it dealt with before it actually breaks um just small things like that. But for me, fuel is the biggest thing. I am at around 20 liter per hundred clicks. So that's about like 10 miles per gallon, which is like really bad. Yeah. And um, to balance out that um, um, the range, I added a um, extended fuel, fuel tank, which makes the vehicle heavier. Mm-hmm. Right, so and then it goes down. You, 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 you <laughs> kind of like dig another hole to to to, to flatten out this, and oh. it just keep getting worse and worse. And yeah, every fill up hurts. Like uh, oh just, yeah, yeah. So yes, diesel. Yeah. I would say one or um. I'm, I'm curious to see how hybrid would would, would do because a lot of trucks yeah. are coming out with hybrids. Yeah. Now. So far, most of them like they're only good for like that thirty miles or so. Like I know the Jeeps, like I don't know. I think they've got a ways to go before this actually become, at least for those of us that are going longer term and have a lot to haul or have a heavier rig, just because that's just the reality of it. But yeah, I kind of laugh when people are like, it's cheaper if you're just living off road. I'm like, no, mortgage would cost less. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Depends on what you're living off in the city. Like, yeah. (laughs) Debt free, it's it's key. At least like for me, that's the only thing that that, uh, was able to keep my lifestyle going is not having... That's part of the reason to have an older vehicle too. I'm not on a finance with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So let's talk about payload. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. It, who's over payload right now? <laughs> I'm sure I am. I haven't done a thing to the truck, so <laughs> just just wait. Define over payload. Like, what's your number? Uh, do well, I you have know? a Jeep. I know you're over payload. <laughs> My husband has one, too. Um, so. What's the towing capacity for the I'm Jeep? Not I know actually, it's not a lot. That's the whole point of that trailer. So my oh, trailer fully loaded trailer. is between twelve and 1,300 pounds. Perfect. Nice. So Good rule job. of thumb for Jeeps aren't made for towing. There's just a reality. Mm-hmm. That is not what they were designed to do. Yeah. So obviously there are other rigs that are more adept and equipped for that. But 3,500 is the max for a Jeep for towing for a JKU or JLU. But if you're towing off-road in four-wheel drive, your max needs to be a minimum or maximum of half of that number. Whatever they say your max is for on highway for a flat road, you need to be doing half of that if you're off-road in four-wheel drive. And even then, you're likely going to heat some things and have some issues. We've only did that a few times this summer. Um, But that was the seven mountain passes (laughs) in one day. Um, So... Yeah, so as long as you're under, I mean, to me, if you're pulling a trailer for any vehicle, you really shouldn't be going over 2,000 pounds off-road. If you are, I don't know why you would do that to yourself. Do that. Yeah, really. Right. Yep. Like, that's just like a big weight to drag you off the side of a mountain, in my opinion. But Oof. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, mine's not too bad. That's good. It's still slow. <laughs> Uphill in Colorado is not really, like, 45 yeah. to max. Oh, I've got an early 80s series. My car can't get out of its own way when I'm going up like highway hills. Oh, Forget it. Right. I just get behind oh, those yeah. really slow trucks and just add <clears throat> up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was going through the hills in Missouri on my way to the Moore Expo in my Jeep a couple of years ago. I was like, how is a van going to do this? 
I mean, this is just sales in Missouri. It was horrible. I've seen some vans do pretty good. Jeeps, you've just, it's got to be, the gearing's got to be right. Everything, yeah. like, you, everything's yeah. had to be, all the things I didn't know before I started towing of just redesigning. I'm going to be adding a third control arm. Just the weight distribution in a Jeep. As long as you can get the gearing and all of that, you can get it right or just get a diesel. Then <laughs> it's fine. But just get a diesel. <laughs> or Or don't. To have 35 inch tires on stock gearing. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that, yeah. That's another. Yeah. Did that on my Jeep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think 99.9% of Jeepers do that. No, well, no, they don't. If you're to the point that you're towing something off road, I don't know anybody that has done that. Too. Oh, yeah, towing, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I'm anybody that like... gets to the point that they're off road as much, because I mean, I, that was one of the first things I redid mine was the gears and lockers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, because it's heavily used, but even with the re-gear, I'm still not going very fast uphill. If you're over like 10,000 feet, any high altitude, it's just like, nope, sorry, you are stuck at 45. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm used to the 45 drive, that's for sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the show tonight, ladies. I had a really great time, and I hope that we answered thank some you. questions for some people that, that had them, and uh, we'll do this again and probably two or three months. I'd like to do this every, like every quarter and answer any more questions that anybody may have. So thank you all for tuning in tonight. If you have any other questions, please drop them in the comments and I will definitely answer them for you. Awesome. Thank you. It's been awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having us.